Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning to those of you watching on the stream at home as well. A couple quick announcements. Uh, the first is Summer Jam is coming. What is Summer Jam? Let me read it to you so I don't mess it up. VBS meets camp, a high relational discipleship-focused summer opportunity for students. Preschool and elementary students will engage in high-energy games, engaging worship, interactive lessons, age-appropriate discussions, and food. So if you remember, if you grew up like me and you remember uh, VBS, think VBS, but think not all of that chaos, that chaos in this age group, and then in this age group, all at different times, different pieces of the week, um, that's what I know. <laughs> uh, but I think it's going to be awesome from what the conversations I've had with Becky and what she's thinking about doing with this. I think it's going to be a really good, good thing. And so, uh, parents, you can go to troycc.org forward slash summer jam to see the dates for when your kid would come. Um, and if this sounds interesting to you, talk to Becky because I know she could use volunteers to help make that happen. Um, also, ladies, the, the women's ministry is doing a picnic on July 17th at noon um, in Troy City Park and Shelter 15, uh, but they are doing a sign-up in the lobby right now. If you're watching at home, you can also register. You can find the register button at org forward slash TCC women. Um, there you'll find that registration button. So today we are going to be in Deuteronomy 6. Um, Last week in our Family Matters series, Chris uh, talked to us about parenting our prodigals. Today we're going to um, talk about parenting generally, but with the kids while they're still here. Um, Somebody told me that uh, first service when I I said that we'll talk about um, parenting I should also remind people, or I should say that we're parenting far away as well, <laughs> not just in these moments, just because I have kids who are in my house. Some of you don't, but this is applicable to you as well, even if your kids have uh, live somewhere else. So we're going to be in Deuteronomy 6. If you don't have a phone um, or a device, uh, that's on page 178 in the Bible in front of you. And the importance of uh, what we're going to talk about today hits me real close to home. Um, I have a fifth grader named... Uh, excuse me, <laughs> a fourth grader. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Fourth grader uh, named Samantha, uh, and a soon, well, soon to be fourth, and a soon to be seventh grader named Chloe. Like, I officially have a junior high student after working with junior high students for 15 plus years. <sighs> and it happens like that. If you have kids that are grown, you know this, and you have probably shared this piece of wisdom with those like me. I, being the one who received the sharing, heard you, thought it in my head, thank you, appreciate it, but it's not going to happen to me. I'll just be honest. More than once, Emily's been asked questions about like how quickly the kids grow up, and she just goes, it's not going to happen to our kids. <laughs> it is, and it does, and it has, but it just happens so quickly when you're actually in it. And again, those of you who have kids who have grown up, uh, you know this. But I think about it because I only have five years of schooling, well, of, of public schooling for Chloe. I only have seven for Samantha. And then they might go out in that big scary world and I won't be around to protect them anymore. 
I won't be around to comfort them. I won't be around um, to fight guys when they hit on them. <laughs> Which I'll try not to do when that day comes. And so part of my job as a parent is to equip them, to train them, to teach them. And that's what this passage today is all about. So in Deuteronomy 6, we find that uh, Moses is talking to the Israelites. And what he's, these commands that he's going to give them are so that the nation will continue to pass these things down. But let's start and we'll get to that point here. So in Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. It says this, it says, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God, as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you. And that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. So Moses lays this out, and he says, listen, I'm going to tell you some things, and I need you to pay attention to them. And actually, I need you to do them because these are commands and decrees from God. And there's a reason for that. He wants to teach them to teach their children, who then in turn will teach their children to fear the Lord, to love the Lord, to serve the Lord, to be the people of God. But that's not the only reason. It seems that following God actually is helpful to life. Look what he says there. He says, um, if you, in verse uh, 2, it says, if they obey, that you may enjoy long life. So when they get into the promised land, if they're obeying these decrees, if they're following these commands, there's long life ahead. And then he continues on and he says, be careful to obey so that it may go well with you. How many of us, and let's do a show of hands, how many of us have experienced the fact that if we follow God, life is a little bit easier and or better? Okay, good. We've all learned this lesson. What's fascinating about the Israelites is they have to learn it again and again and again and again, which really isn't any different from me, right? If I'm honest, I have to learn it again and again and again because oftentimes I want to think that I have it all figured out, that I would know better than God. But Moses here is saying, follow his instructions, follow his decrees, and it will go well with you. You will have a long life. Psalms chapter 1, Psalm 1, verse 1, starts off by saying this. It says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaves do not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Life just tends to go better when we follow God's instructions. I'm a person who likes to figure out other ways about doing things. I found this to be very true, that life just goes better when you follow God. The psalmist even agrees. 
I mean, he ends there by saying whatever he does prospers when he talks about this man. So Moses is setting this up, saying, listen, it's going to go good for you if you follow these decrees, if you follow these laws. And here's what he says to Israel. We're going to read the next two verses. Hear, O Israel, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, your, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. So what we have here is what uh, the Jewish faith refers to as the, the Shema. This is a prayer that is central to both their morning and their evening prayer times. And in it, Moses points out a very big and an important point, both for us today and for them. He says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, he's reminding the Israelites as they come into this new place, there are going to be people around them who believe in all sorts of different gods. But he's reminding them that the Lord is one, is number one. He is God. He is the only God. He's reminding them that they don't need anything else. They don't need a God for fertility. They don't need a God for rain. They don't need a God for a bountiful harvest. They have the one God who loves them, who is protecting them, who is watching over them. And so he starts this by saying, the Lord is one. And then he continues on. He says, love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Love transforms obedience from legalism into a personal commitment. Think about this. And maybe you're not like me, so maybe you won't understand this. But when I was uh, younger, I hated making my bed. Hate it. I'm just going to mess it up. Why would I fix it in the first place? My mother didn't care. She said, make your bed. I didn't do it out of love. <laughs> I did it out of, I'm going to follow the rules and I want my allowance, so I'm going to make my bed. Now I'm an adult. I don't have to do that if I don't want to until Emily makes me, so it's fine. But if I did that out of love, that, that changes it, right? If I was doing it as a way to serve, to love, to care for my mom, my dad, or any of the chores that I had, that changes it. It's not some stupid rule that I had to follow. I get to show my love, my appreciation, my commitment to them. Same is true with God. Moses says to love the Lord your God. Not follow these strict rules, not just follow these laws in a legalistic fashion. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And what he opens up here is something that we, maybe we don't miss, but I want to just make sure that we, we see this. He's talking about loving God with everything that we are. And Hebrew thought the heart is the center of a human being, including understanding and will, as well as emotions. The soul is the principle of being, the source of life and strength. And the reference to strength here reinforces the demand that it's not going to be easy, but that it is what we should be doing. When Moses says this, he's telling the Israelites, God, you need to love him with everything that you are. 
There are no compartments that God doesn't have access to in your life. Your heart, your soul, your strength. There are no compartments. We don't compartmentalize things. I don't get to say, God, you don't get to have my parenting. Or God, you don't get to have my finances. Or God, you don't get to have the way I treat people. Or God, you don't get to have the way I think about the world. No, Moses is saying that we're going to give him our heart, our soul, and our strength. We're going to give him everything. Which is why the love piece has to be so important because otherwise it's just going to feel like a strict command that we have to do this and I don't want to. And then we start making these boxes where I'm going to go, I'm just going to keep this piece of me over here, God. You don't get to touch this because I work better. I know better. I know how to fix this. And as we all raised our hands earlier, that's not actually true, right? And so Moses says, Everything. Love him with everything that we have. And he says, these commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. One commentator said it like this. He says, this total demand must never be overlooked. Not only is it upon the heart, it must take first place in training children and conversations at home and outside from the beginning to the end of the day it should govern the senses control behavior and direct life in the home and community it is in the spirit that paul can say for me to live is christ if we remember that phrase from paul he says if i'm going to live i'm going to be jesus i'm going to do my best to give everything to him I'm going to die, it's going to be my game because I get to be with Jesus. But Paul says, for me to live is to me to be like Christ, which is exposing every piece of me to him so that he can do what he needs to do in transforming me. Let's continue on. We'll read the next two verses. Verse 7. Impress them, these things, impress them on your children, Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Impress them upon your children. Moses in the ancient world even would have seen this as the, the important piece. Parents need to impress this upon their children. Because then those children will impress them upon their children. And so on and so forth. Beliefs, culture, all of this is transmitted by the continual process of teaching the next generation. And so Moses is saying, as we are going into this new place, as we are getting a new start in this promised land, teach your kids these things. Raise them upright so that they will then raise up the next generation, right? And so on and so forth. And it just continues over and over. Because Israel tended to look back quite a bit. Israel tended to look back at their ancestors. And we see this throughout Old Testament, even in the New Testament. There's some people who talk like this who are like, your ancestors used to worship God, but now you've fallen away. Your ancestors who knew this stuff... 
should have taught you better, should have changed the way that you are. And so there's this idea that generationally we will pass this down. Then there's an interesting point here in verse 7 where he continues and he says, um, talk about them while you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. The impression we should receive from this is all of the time. Right? Look at those, look at those words. When you, uh, excuse me, when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you wake up, all of our life should be thinking about Focusing on loving God with everything that we have. Again, this is this idea of if there's a compartmentalization, it should be gone. Because all the things that we are involved with, all the things that we do, are always in this vein. That we would love the Lord our God with our heart, our soul, and our strength. And if we want to sort of just try to set this aside, we can't. Because Jesus, when asked, what is the greatest commandment, he quotes this verse. So this isn't just some old school, Old Testament thing. This is the way we've been asked, commanded to live. And it shouldn't be a surprise because this is how Jesus makes his disciples. As they walk, they talk. As they sit down and they eat, as they sleep, as they get up, as they do life together. Jesus is constantly teaching them. He's discipling them. And our mission at TCC is to make disciples who make disciples. And if you don't know what we mean by disciple, we mean that a disciple is someone who knows and follows Jesus, someone who is transformed by Jesus, and someone who is on mission for Jesus. And Jesus made his disciples in this way, where he walked alongside them. He did life with them. I mean, really did life with them. When they went by a fig tree, he used it as an example to teach his disciples. And we want to imitate Jesus as much as possible here at TCC. And small groups is a great place to do this. If you are not connected in one, I would ask that you just talk to Josh afterwards. Because in small groups, we can walk along the road together, right? We can sit down together. I don't know if we're going to sleep or nap together, but if you want to, I guess you do whatever you want. <laughs> Metaphor kind of falls apart after the first two, but you know, that's my, my point is, is that we try to do life together in this way where we can know what's going on in each other's lives. We can help train each other. We can iron sharpens iron, all of that. Another way we're also doing this is through discipling relationships, which um, I, if you have any interest in something like that, I would love to talk to you about that after the service. I, I'm involved in a number of them right now, and they're just so good in the challenging way that the Holy Spirit moves in those relationships. But again, there's no holes in this. There's no, this moment, I don't have to follow Jesus. There's no, my, this piece of me doesn't have to be turned over to him. And all of this is important because if we're going to pass this on to our kids, well, we've got to live it out, right? Verse 8, he talks, he, they talk about tying them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, uh, write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Um, the Jewish people took this literally, and they had these things called phylacteries, um, and a phylactery is that box that's on that gentleman's forehead and also on his bicep, which is not his hand, but 
I don't know why it said hand, but now it's on his bicep. I guess it's okay. Um, but they took it literally. So in those boxes are scripture. And this is still a common practice today that they would do what this verse says. Now, let me suggest to you a couple things. That one, I think this is, there's the idea of putting these passages into something that is helpful for us to remembering is awesome. We just don't need to take it to a legalistic place that wasn't intended. If you don't have a box in your head, you're okay. But it doesn't mean you can't do things in a similar fashion. So what do we do with this passage? Like, what are, what, how, do we, how do we unpack this in our day-to-day life? So let me start here. First, I want to say this. Going through the motions is not enough. We must love God and devote our whole life to him. Going through the motions is not enough. We must love God and devote our whole life to him. That's what, that's what Deuteronomy 6 is saying. Every piece of you, heart, soul, strength, Jesus adds in mind when he quotes it. Where, where are we going to do that at? All of the time. And it's important because this is what we're called to be. This is who we're called to be to follow Jesus. This is what a disciple looks like, is that our lives would be focused in this manner. And it's hard. There's lots of days I don't want to open up all my life to Jesus. My flesh looks at me and says, no, we got this figured out. And I have to go, no, I don't. If I did, I would be my own God, right? Like, I don't have this figured out. And so we have to not just go through the motions. Secondly, this passage points out to us very clearly that being a disciple of Jesus is an everyday pursuit and not simply a Sunday activity. Being a disciple of Jesus is, not, uh, is an everyday pursuit, not simply a Sunday activity. When we walk out of these doors... We're still followers of Jesus, hopefully. Hopefully we don't re-engage when we step back in here. Hopefully Sunday afternoon through Sunday morning, we are still following Jesus. We're still giving him our lives. We're still opening up our lives to him so that he can do things in us, and then we, in turn, pass that on to others. But to pass on something, we have to be that. We have to be that thing. Like when I look at my daughters, I'm well aware that I have not been the kind of disciple that I would want them to become. I've had seasons of my life where I'm going from Sunday afternoon till Sunday morning. And that's a couple hour block that I do church. That's when Jesus got. If I'm, if I'm honest. I've had seasons where I didn't have, I didn't let Jesus into everything of my life. I didn't let the light shine into the darkness. I've had those seasons. And it's hard. But let me tell you, I can't, I have to be different so that I can help my daughters be different. Because it's on me. It's my responsibility. Moses was very clear that, parents, it is on us to pass this on. This is not a Jonathan and Becky project. It is not a student ministry and children's ministry project. This is on us as parents. And it's fascinating now that I'm not the student minister because I can say this 
Because if I had before, it felt self-serving. <laughs> like, don't come to me with it. I'm just the guy, right? But this is what the Word of God says. Parents, it is on us to pass this along, to help our, our children grow, to help them become disciples of Jesus. If we're, divide, if we're devoting our whole lives to Jesus, every piece of us, I promise you that the overflow that you see, you won't recognize because the Spirit begins to transform us into looking more and more like Jesus. I find myself on a daily basis saying things and doing things that I don't know where they came from because I usually have it all figured out. So sometimes the way I respond to people, sometimes the way I act, I'm like, that has to be Jesus because the old Drew wouldn't have done that. The old Drew would have just been like, no, forget that. I'm going to walk away from that. But we have to be this kind of person. We have to be this kind of disciple if we want to pass it on. Now, I don't want to leave you with, um, I, want, I want to make sure that we have uh, some practical steps as to what to do as well. And those are written at the bottom of your notes, but let's just talk through them anyway. First is to talk to your children about your faith. Parents, we should talk to our children about our faith. Have that conversation. Now, I know for many of us, myself included, and I love my parents, I didn't have a great example of this at times. We went to church, and that was it. And so I'm figuring this out in some ways as I go. I can remember some really good conversations that both my mom and my dad had with me. They were awkward because we didn't have a lot of them. And so when, me, when I go to Chloe and Samantha and I want to try to have a conversation about faith, it's awkward because I'm not used to it. But discipleship's a little awkward at times because we're not used to having people have access into our lives like that. And so for, um, for Samantha and I, we, ha- we occasionally have these moments where she'll just ask me a question. And at times I don't know how to answer them. Because the faith of a child is something that you just forget when you get old. You forget how they see the world so much differently than my pessimistic old guy brain. And then with Chloe, I take her to, I take her to school every morning. And so we, we pray. But if I'm honest, I don't always do this with her. I've missed more opportunities than I've taken advantage of. Because my mind starts to go, I got this to do today, I got this to do today, I'm meeting with this person, and after we're done praying, I just kind of zone out. But I need to do a better job of taking advantage of those moments because it's on me to talk about my faith with my, my kids. Let me encourage you that anything and everything can be a conversation about your faith. Jesus does this with the disciples all of the time. He's like, hey, let me tell you this story. The kingdom of God is like a shepherd who lost one sheep and went and chased after it while he left 99 behind. Or let me tell you this story about um, this wedding banquet and how that's like the kingdom of God. Or let me tell you this story about how this woman lost a coin. Or how about as we serve together, let me show you how God works. They're all right in front of us. We just need to take the opportunity. We need to take advantage of those moments that God has given us. Learn scripture 
with your kids. This is one I would not have put on this list about six months ago. And all the credit in the world goes to Emily. I don't know where she got it from. I don't think it's original with her. But she said, we need to, let's think about learning scripture and sort of learning it and praying it over our kids at night. Every night we were praying with them. Um, and so we, we try to. <laughs> the girls have nailed it. They, two months ago, were like, can we get a new verse, please? And dad's like, no, because I don't know it yet. Like, just how it is. Because I'm not good with that sometimes. Um, but I'm going to attempt it here in front of you. Because <laughs> why not? This is a verse that we, that we read. It comes from the New Living Translation. So if you look it up uh, in the NIV, it's going to feel a little different. But this is how it goes. It says, um, may Christ make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how long, how high, how deep, and how wide his love is. And this is where I always mess up, so I'm just going to read it. May you experience the love of Christ that is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Every night, we recite that. Well, I recite it. They listen. They have it memorized. One of the things that... um, I love about this is that down the road, my girls are going to unpack this passage because it's going to be so locked into their brain. They're going to start to understand the different nuances and the complexities of who Jesus is. And it's going to be awesome because I will be able to go back to this verse and go, hey, look, did you see what it said there? Like how, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is Jesus's love for you? Like you have a better understanding of that now. Or maybe I'll be able to pull out something like, uh, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Because it is, right? Like the love of Christ, like how do we fully understand that? And the opportunity that I get to have with my daughters to unpack that is just, I, I just look forward to it. But for some of you, you remember at camp, at VBS, Sunday school, you, were, you had to memorize things. And I would not be shocked if more than once in your lifetime those verses came back out of your head at different times where you went, oh, that's why that adult made me learn that. That's why I got a gold star on the chart. So learn scripture with your kids. Lastly, we, one thing that we do is we put scripture up around our house. Um, we... Some of you know that I have a, an artsy, creative side. And so uh, when Chloe was born, I made some uh, paintings that kind of came out of Ephesians uh, 2.4. There's a third one that I couldn't get on there, but um, that was hanging in her nursery. Now it hangs in Samantha's room. And then one of the things that uh, we did uh, when the girls were younger was we um, let them paint this piece of wood. <laughs> And then when Chloe got old enough, she picked this verse, Romans 5. And so we put it, and it's literally over a doorway in our house. Because it reminds us that as we go about life, right, as we go about doing life, we are focused on Jesus. We're focused on God. All, everything that we have, our, our heart, our soul, our strength, as Jesus says, our mind should be headed in that direction. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we impart on our children the scriptures for them to learn.
Now, do I have this all figured out? Absolutely not. Most days I barely get a C minus on being a parent. But I'm trying. And parents, we have to try. We don't get anywhere on purpose unless it's on purpose. I don't accidentally show up to where I want to go by heading in that direction if I need to go that way. It has to be intentional. If you're not currently in the parenting mode, or maybe as the person said from first service today, you're parenting from afar, let me just challenge you that God is still using this passage for all of us. Take a look at your own life. Are there compartments in your own life that you have kept God out of? Both inside you and in, the, in your walk. Because just because we're done parenting doesn't mean God's done with us. We have so much to learn. We have so much to do. We have so much to grow from. So I'll just challenge you with that. Let us be the kind of people who make Jesus and God an everyday pursuit, whether it be in your marriage, whether it be in your friendships, whether it be as parents, whether it be at work, wherever it is, let that be part of who we become as followers of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, sometimes it's hard to follow and do all of this. Sometimes, as I can attest, I want to do it on my own, different from you. I want to keep you out, and God, for those moments, I'm, I'm sorry. Would you help us, Father, to love you with everything that we are? Let you inside to do the work that needs to be done in our lives so that we can be the kind of followers that you have commanded us to be. Father, for those of us who are parenting and who are parents, would you help us also to be those people so that we can then pass that down to our kids so that our next generation can then pass it on to the next generation and so on and so forth. Father, we need your help. We need your spirit, we need your wisdom, we need your discernment, we need your eyes so that we can see these opportunities that you set before us on how we parent and how we love our kids. God, right now, we just pray that you will uh, continue to show yourself faithful in our lives, that you would continue to help us be more like your son, Jesus. And we just pray all of these things in his powerful name. Amen.